Hey there! Are you tired of waiting for the next episode of It's Probably Not Aliens? Well, we've got some good news for you. On Nebula, our streaming service, you can get access to all our episodes a week early. That's right, you'll never have to wait again to hear Scott and I debunk the latest ancient astronaut theory or get a movie fact wrong. But that's not all. Nebula is home to dozens of content creators we know you like, so you can find all your favorites in one place. Plus, we post content on there that you won't find anywhere else. And the best part? By signing up for Nebula at nebula.tv slash probablynotaliens, you're directly supporting the show and both of us. So don't wait any longer. Join Nebula today and listen to the next episode right after this one. Tristan, I have a confession to make. Oh my, this this sounds serious. It is serious. I've been slacking on my duties regarding this podcast. You know, your job obviously is to bring in all the all the research and all of the facts and logic and things like that. Uh, and my job is to basically watch ancient aliens, and I haven't been doing that. <laughs> oh. I've just been showing up to this podcast ready for you to talk to me about things that I'm, I've not heard of before, but I just find interesting. And so I'm getting back into that. You, we wanted to talk about a topic today and I Googled it to find which episode that they talk about this in. And it's, it's a lot. They talk about it a lot. This, this, yeah, this we're going to need to come back to this because, uh, I have been going through the show in chronological order and stopping about every two minutes to write an entire episode. So yeah, so that and that's part of the reason why I haven't been watching the show as much is because I've already seen the first like three or four episodes and we haven't even we're on episode 18 of this podcast. We've not even gotten past like episode two yet in terms of in terms of ancient aliens episodes yeah. like there's so they stuff so much wrong <laughs> into every episode that that i feel like oh i don't need to watch yeah I, I mean i watched these months ago i don't need to watch it again it'll go pretty fast when we um when they run out of ideas and then there's just seasons of them returning to things they already did so yeah yes so that brings me to what i've learned today they are on season 14 of this show oh yeah i Season 14, episode four, I can't remember. Something in there talks about this specific topic, the the do Dogon people. Or Dogon people. Dogon, that um, sounds but better. Before those, we, those Dogon people. All right. Before we dig in, though, this is It's Probably Not Aliens, a podcast that now... Uh, this is the first episode that you can actually listen to. Oh my gosh. Yes. Big exciting news since we last recorded, I guess. We finally launched this show. Just so you know how much of a backlog there is. <laughs> so if you are j just listening to this episode and you're like, hey, how come they haven't, you know, responded to any of our many criticisms that we've had? Uh, it's because we didn't know that you had any until just now. Uh, that being said, I think it would be fun at the end of this show to read off some reviews that we've had if you're if you're cool with that. Sure. Yeah, we'll finish off the show with that. But first of all, I'm Tristan Johnson and you are Scott Nicewander. And I'm Scott Nicewander. We are so we're 18 episodes in. This feels like one of our sloppiest intros yet. Yeah, we're pros. Let's talk about some some doggone people. Yeah. That feels like a joke I shouldn't be making. That feels insensitive. I apologize. Let's talk about some dogon people. Yeah, let's talk about the dogon. So 
Uh, essentially, the ancient aliens claim is that the Dogon, who are a tribe that live in Mali, have a religion that has details regarding astronomical bodies that could not possibly be seen with the naked eye. Yes. That they know about things like the rings of Saturn and the (gasps) moons of Jupiter. Ooh, fascinating. The episode that I was watching said that they knew about Sirius B. Oh, we'll get to Sirius B. Which is incredibly tiny, like... uh, partner star i can't remember the exact term they used for it yep yep yep. into into to serious a that you can't see from earth without highly advanced telescopes but somehow these people knew about it so Mm -hmm. tell me how did they do that tristan it it was probably aliens right well um you know what it's a certain type of alien we'll we'll get into that uh i do think that we have to name this episode uh the dogon people are serious business (laughs) businesses in capital b Uh, that's pretty good okay So the claim is that these people are, one, remnants of ancient Egyptians uh, for reasons. I don't know. That claim just comes out of nowhere. But that they were obviously through their cultural practices with their masks and all sorts of various cultural products. It's proof that their funky masks and their knowledge of stellar bodies proves the Dogon people were visited by aliens. Yes, they were visited by you're doing the hand gesture thing, the aliens thing. Yeah. It's not translating well for, for an audio podcast, but I will from this point on, I will describe audibly what Tristan is doing <laughs> with his hands. Yeah, it's weird. I'm, I'm a bit of a handsy talker. So this is a, that's a hard medium. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought that we would investigate those specific claims, but also learn a little bit about the Dogon people because I just decided to go down a rabbit hole and I found out that these are a pretty interesting culture that is something I would not have come across in like a normal history class or uh, anthropology yeah, class. I can't say I've ever heard of, of these people at all, but after watching about to three quarters of an episode of Ancient Aliens about them, I'm incredibly fascinated to learn what the actual history of these people are, not the not the History Channel version. Mm-hmm. And it speaks to our uh, Western-educated background that learning about indigenous peoples of Africa is not exactly a thing that we, we get educated in. Unfortunately. Yeah, so let's learn a little bit about the Dogon, who are an ethnic group that live in this region of uh, called the Central Plateau of Mali, which is a country in modern day West Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the amount of people in this culture ranges between four and 800,000 members. So it is a wow, smallish yeah. tr- uh, group of okay. people. They are, however, a major tourist attraction in Mali, specifically because their tradition involves a lot of dances, involves a lot of exotic masks. And they're very known for their like architecture and their sculptures and things like that. So like they have a very distinctive style. Uh, the only thing I think I've ever heard of when I've heard of Dogon people is I think I have seen some of these masks before. Oh, yeah? Yeah, as like these like kind of sim- like as a uh, almost stereotypical symbol of like what West African indigenous religion looks like. Probably okay. from a paradox game or something. Yeah, so the Dogon people historically lived in a place called the Bendiagara region. And a thousand years ago, they collectively refused to convert to Islam when Islam came to Mali and retreated from the areas of the country controlled by Muslims. Hmm. Their religion is very interesting. It has a lot of 
mystery attached to it in that Ooh. it is a religion that has secret languages, has uh, sculptures that outsiders are not allowed to see, and just has these very peculiar ceremonies, which are called Awa, or it's called the Awa uh, Society that puts them on. But they do all sorts of dances for major rituals and uh, religious and social events, mostly funerals. And so, the, so the Awa Society are like the performers? Yes, they're sort of oh, a okay. religious order made up of most of the young men in any sort of gotcha. city or village. That's a cool name, though, the Awa Society. Mm-hmm. The masks they wear are based on animals or deities, and they look truly like amazing. They are cool depictions and cool pieces of art. And they do look interesting and exotic enough that you could, you know, if you were you know, really trying to find aliens, you could see almost like, oh, my goodness, this looks like like an alien type of depiction. You probably saw mm-hmm. some in the Ancient Aliens episode that you were watching. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every everything about it, the 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 whole all the ceremonies and the dances and the masks, they're just it's it's very captivating. Mhm. So most of what we know about the Dogon come from a blind elder by the name of Ogotameli, uh who taught a lot of his uh religious beliefs to an anthropologist, a French anthropologist by the name of Marcel Griot. In October of 1946, he has done many visits to the Dogon and he has written a lot about the Dogon. But uh, this was when he learned a lot of their religious practices, just so that like it all makes sense. Uh, Mali at one point was a French colony. So this is going to be a lot of French people in this story. Gotcha. And he taught this anthropologist using the same way that he learned to become a holy man himself. He was taught through an oral tradition that went back from his father and grandfather and Until this particular study, the entire history and spiritual understanding of the Dogon was passed down through the oral tradition, oral history. Hmm. And this is a like, you know, more than thousand year old uh, culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one wrote it down. And also because of their remote location, they were very independent culturally, politically, and were actually one of the last people to really fall to colonization under the French. Oh, wow. Just because they're so isolated? Mm Mm-hmm. And what that means is that they have a lot of very unique cultural things that developed out of them kind of being uh, semi-isolated in this region. They have thousands of different signs. Uh, They have their own system of astronomy and calendrical measurements. They have a completely different system of calculation and anatomical and physiological knowledge. And even have their own system of pharmacopoeia, like an idea of like what plants and things are medicines and things. Things like that. Oh, that so they're I get what you're saying. They were so isolated that they like no knowledge was shared outside or came in from the inside. So like everything is super unique to them. Or very little anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because like uh it is like kind of a colonialist thing to like say that like these people just because they live in these like remote places have no contact with the outside. They do have some contact, they are aware of people on the outside. And we'll get a little bit to that when we get to the talk about Sirius B and everything like that. Gotcha. Another unique thing about them is that they are a linguistic isolate. They are related to the Niger, their language, Dogon, is related to the Niger Congolese language group. But it is fairly isolated, which means that their language does not have a lot of like dialects and languages nearby that are very similar. So they are Mm -hmm. very unique. This will come up again in a future episode when we talk about the Zoom 
Sunni people, which are an indigenous people to the American Southwest that also have a very unique language that's sort of uh, its own branch off. Okay, cool. I'm on board. I'm 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 following everything you're saying so far. So that's like the basics about the Dogon. They have a very interesting spiritual life that challenges a lot of our discussions about gender. They have they do a lot of interesting things with gender in their culture because the main thing in their religion is this concept of twins and duality and uh, dual genders, and that like a lot of their major spirits are considered amorphous or either like like they contain both genders within them. Interesting. So they have uh, these twins who are named Numo and Nomo. Numo's sort of like a serpent or amphibian or a lizard, something in that kind of family. Uh, yes. Sometimes described as a fish that walks on land. This was described in the episode that I watched, the Ancient Aliens episode that I watched. Yes, a being that is like almost like a mer person, but can also just be on land with a fish tail. Mm-hmm. And that they change colors like a chameleon. Yeah. Uh, from the writings of Marcel Griot, they're described as. Uh, Dio, which uh, is a really weird way of saying uh, gods of water. Did you take French at all growing up? You're Canadian. I am. I'm also French Canadian. My grandmother was a Francophone and I lived in Quebec for three years. So I, um, yeah, I speak French. <laughs> okay. I just, cause you, you tackled that, that term, like it was absolutely foreign to you. And I, I was like, that, it, Come it's on. just it's it's a it's just a tiny bit of a tongue twister. Diodo, uh, gods of the water. It's gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, the Numo are like they're described this way. They're described as water gods. And uh, it was written and this is sort of a archaic term, so I'm not going to use it. But they are described as having uh, both sexes within the body. And they also have a other one uh, that is a symbol of the sun and is sort of like a symbol of femaleness and femininity. Mm. Uh, This is associated with cows and mothers and the color red. And so like a lot of their stuff has to do with fertility and the sun and all that kind of stuff, which is very interesting, especially because in a lot of cultures, the sun usually gets associated with masculinity and the moon typically gets associated with femininity, but not in this case. Not here, not here. You get a little sunburnt cow. Mm -hmm. So they believe that at the beginning of time that there was a sort of order and everyone was born uh, androgynous and that single sex beings didn't exist. They had what are called twin births. But then the sort of uh, inciting event that caused all the chaos that makes the world that we live in was by the birth of a jackal who was a single sexed male creature. Jackal. And he was born without a soul. And essentially, this was the creature that uh, caused all of life to be born as single sexed creatures. All because of one jackal. Yes. And so the males in Dogon society have to be born as single sexed males. Uh, All humans actually have to be single sexed. And in doing so, they're preventing a creature like the jackal to ever be born on Earth again. Now, are we are we are you saying that this is like an actual like the animal, the jack, like a jackal? Or is that just like a term for I think both. 
Okay. So very often uh, men in the Dogon culture are associated with the jackal and at a something called the Sigui Festival, which is associated with death on the earth, is held once every 60 years. And this is the event. This thing that they practice every 60 years is what is associated with the white dwarf star Sirius B. Sirius B. We're back to it. The little one, the little companion star. That was the term they used, companion star. Yes. That came to me. And we'll get to Sirius B later, but this is the thing that they're talking about. Uh, right, the last we'll get thing, to some Sirius B people. The last thing about their culture is that they practice circumcision and they use this practice as their way of symbolically uh, decoupling the two sexes from one body. If so, like, really, there is this like idea of like uh, single sex births are like a sign of like chaos and that the, the the thing that has created this universe. And so there's just like it's just a really interesting duality and like there's a lot of like uh, gender androgyny in their yeah. spiritual world. It's super different from anything that I've heard. Uh, I also don't study this stuff for a living, so I don't know. But you seem taken aback by it as well as something very unique. So that that informs me is like, oh, Maybe this this does sound very distinct of a belief. I, it is very cool. It is very unique. But I will say that uh, it's not as unique as you'd think. Like I've done a video in the past that talked about how there is multiple cases of many genders and uh, different gendered roles in different societies around the world, really. So yeah. this is just one case of many, which might be a surprise to some people listening to this podcast. But mm-hmm. uh, just to know that like there, the idea of like gender being a rigid binary is really a imposition from a few cultures. And that really there is a long history in many places in the world where gender is very different. There is at least one place I can recall that had uh, society with about five genders and uh, and there's a whole lot in between. Absolutely. So the leader of a Dogon society is a person by the name of the Hogan. Ah, Hogan of the Dogon. Exactly. They're usually the spiritual and political leader and elected from a council of the oldest men from the dominant lineage of a village. So that's 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 like a little primer on the Dogon people. This is most of what the information I had. Uh, There's actually not like a ton written in English on the Dogon people. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is what I could gather from various like encyclopedia articles and like, you know, doing what I can. Did you have to read a lot of French? I did not because I am conversational in French, but I okay. am fairly uh, illiterate. <laughs> That's fair. I just, I just, there's an excuse. There's somewhat of an excuse for me not to be very fluent in French being an American where my uh, foreign language credit in high school was computers. Um, oh my God. But- <laughs> But but I figured you being a much more cultured Canadian might have a better time with with uh, with that. To be fair, uh, most Canadians don't learn French either. I went out of my way to learn French in my 20s. So, um, wow. yeah, good we, on you. We have to, uh, where I grew up, we have to take mandatory French from fourth grade to ninth grade. That is almost perfectly designed to make sure that the second you stop learning it, you never know anything ever again. So many people took five years of mandatory French and don't know any French. Real? Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, time to get back on that Duolingo or that du- Duolingo. Is that, did that work? <laughs> 
Um, but one cool thing on that is that uh, the Canadian government has a program where they actually will pay you to go and learn French for a month. It's pretty great. I oh, did it. Cool. I did it once. That's how I learned yeah? French. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I did find, though, the book that is the source of the Dogon uh, know about all these hidden stars and it had to be aliens uh, theory. Is it, is it a different book than the one that we talk about on this show? Yes. This is the book that inspired the book. Oh, really? Oh, OK. It's a precursor book. Yes. It's called The Serious Mystery. That's a- Okay. Quality name. Regardless of whatever information is in this book, incredible name. Very well done. Yeah, it's a book that uh, pushes the hypothesis that the Dogon people are uh, preserving a tradition of contact with intelligent extraterrestrial beings from the Sirius star system. So wait, hold on. It's preserved. So does it mean that they're still, these people are still in contact? It means that their oral tradition is preserving a, uh, preserving information that was passed down to them by extraterrestrials. Gotcha, Gotcha. In the book, they argue that these aliens not only taught art, and civilization to humans, but we're also responsible for originating the pharaohs of Egypt, uh, the mythology of the Greeks, even things like the Epic of Gilgamesh. And his writing about the Dogon came primarily from his interpretation of reading the work of Marcel Griot. Oh, so a little spin on it, a little personal spin on it. Mm -hmm. A lot of the serious mystery consists of a comparative linguistic and mythological scholarship, which is a fancy way of saying he looked at a bunch of different cultures and said, wow, these things look similar. Uh, Looking at the Dogon, the Yoruba, who are another uh, ethnic group in West Africa, Mm -hmm. uh, Egyptians and Sumerians and their beliefs and their symbols, and even a little bit looking at Greek and Arab mythology as well. Tristan, they did this in the, I took notes on the episode that I watched. They did this exact thing. I'm pointing at notes. Here's me tapping. That's, uh, those are my notes that I took. They did the same thing in this episode for different reasons. They were talking about how Dogon sounds uh, similar to the chief of the uh, god of Babylonians, Dagon or Dagon, um, which sounds similar to Japanese dragons, you know, and, oh boy. and, and Dogu. And so they were all like talking about, yeah, there's like all these amphibious sort of creatures. They're all related to the same place. And then here, can I just read you a, a quote? from this episode we'll get right back into what we're actually talking about this is a quote that happened in the episode that i i had to pause and write it down because it was the wildest thing i think i'd ever heard the quote is words are thought fossils oh my god words are thought fossils and that is why they're all of these words sound the same is because they're all trying to communicate the same thought across all these different cultures that are all related to these ancient extraterrestrial beings uh, and these are fossils of the people trying to tell us that aliens are out there. I need that quote in a loopy font on a pastel background posted on my wall somewhere. Words are thought fossils. I, l- I mean, look, on on one level, like that is like some uh, some of the deepest like shit I've ever heard in my life. But also, if you're trying to say that words that sounds two syllable words that sound similar across all these cultures are similar because aliens then like i don't know you don't get to say cool things like that i don't think you get to yeah that's 
the, the, in, there's some, in some ways, they're right, and there's been some interesting linguistic analysis. On the other hand, saying these things sound like these things without doing the work to find the connection is um, mm-hmm. bad. That's not mm-hmm. how you do research. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, let's let's talk about the, this book, The yep. Serious Mystery. So the mystery at the center of The Serious Mystery is that the Dogon allegedly acquired knowledge of Sirius B, which is a white dwarf companion star to the star Sirius A and is invisible to the naked eye. Yes, this is this is what they talked about in the episode. You can see Sirius A from Earth with the naked eye, uh, but you cannot see its companion star Sirius B from Earth with the naked eye. So how could they have known about it without high-tech uh, advanced equipment and or just knowledge from alien beings who may have come from that realm of the of the universe? may have come from Sirius A and B. I don't know. That's what they're telling me, Tristan. Well, the author of The Serious Mystery, who I realize I didn't even name, his name is Robert Temple, tried to make the argument that they made contact with an advanced alien civilization, but he was open to alternative explanations, like that the Dogon had contact with an ancient, very advanced civilization that had advanced telescopes to tell them about these things. Okay. And that they've just been lost. You know, more likely things like that the Egypt, ancient Egyptians had high technology. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. So he was willing to accept other explanations, obviously. And the Egyptians got that technology from aliens? Who knows? Who knows? So here are a couple reviews I found of this book, and I got to read these quotes because I I oh. love how sassy reviews to these books have gotten. That's This is good. This is going to be a little teaser from when we read the uh, the reviews of our own podcast later on. This, this is episode. true. So the first one I've got here is the whole Dogon legend of Sirius and its companions are riddled with ambiguities, contradictions and downright errors, at least if we try to interpret it literally. <laughs> Uh, and Carl Sagan, in a book he wrote called Broca's Brain, actually also looked into Temple's hypothesis uh, as a way to, like, you know, analyze things. And he realized that maybe there's something to point out that the Dogon seem to know about Sirius B, but don't seem to know about any of the planets that are after Saturn or have. It seems like their knowledge might have come from an alien source, but not an extraterrestrial one. Mm. And that they might have gotten this knowledge about this invisible star from the French. Dun, dun, dun. They're back. Turns out the only Sirius B was the logic in this book. <laughs> Yeah, so let's look into where uh, a lot of Temple's information on. Let's talk a little bit about more about Marcel Griol and his uh, work. So several authors have claimed that the Dogon religion incorporates details about extrasolar astronomical bodies that could not be seen with the naked eye. Mm-hmm. But the more likely argument is that encounters with uh, 20th century European visitors are a very likely, much more plausible source of the information about these stars. Yeah, yeah. People who had things like telescopes and and whatnot, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, Griol lived among the Dogon. He did several expeditions from 1931 all the way to 1956. Some of them were only for a few days. Some of them were for a few months. Uh, One time he even stayed for like full 33 days. Uh, He did visits in 31, 35, 37. 
37, 38. And then from 46 to 56, he went every year. And in one of his, uh, in his 1946 mission, this is the one where he, uh, the October of 46, this is when he spent a lot of time with that wise man. And this is mm. where he learned much of what he ended up writing about Dogon religion. Mm-hmm. And... He wrote that they believe, the Dogon believe, the brightest star in the night sky, Sirius, has two companions, Potolo, the Digitaria star, and Emeyatolo, the female Sorghum star. Remember how they have a very strong belief in like duality and the dual nature of things? Yeah, it's coming into play again. So they believe that the the brightest star in the sky has a a twin, has a companion. Oh, oh. So they didn't, (laughs) hold on. Are you saying they didn't actually know for sure that Sirius? B was there, but just because of what they believed, they they believed that it, that Sirius A must have had one. Oh, it's a little bit more complex than that. Okay, but, all right. Uh, but we'll, we'll 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 build to that. The Dogon believe that Sirius and its companion have a uh, like they have an orbit, and that there's a period when Sirius brightens. That's when it's farthest from the star, and it gives off a kind of twinkling effect mm-hmm. that suggests to the observer that there are several stars. And this happens about every 50 years. And okay. when they do this, this is when all of the young men in the society go into seclusion for three months and talk to each other in a secret language. Like I said, their religion is very deep, very fascinating, has a whole lot of yeah. interesting secrets to it. Holy cow. A little boys club. So Griol was interested in this star system that was able to describe a star that plausibly did not exist and wrote that the problem of knowing how with no instruments at their disposal men could know the movements and certain characteristics of virtually invisible stars has not been settled nor even posed. Okay. So All right. Basically him saying he doesn't know how they know this. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair kind of question to pose, I think. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, this became a source of doubt in more recent years. Uh, people have had some more questions about the validity of Griol's uh, anthropology. Uh-huh. In a 1991 article in Current Anthropology, a anthropologist, now this one's going to be really screwed up. Uh, Wouter van Beek uh, concluded that- Man, your, your French is getting much better as we, as we go on. <laughs> That's not even French. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> he, he concluded that his research among the Dogon that uh, though they do speak about Sigotolo, which is what Griol claimed the Dogon called Sirius, they disagree completely with each other as to which star they meant. For some, it's an invisible star that should arise to announce the Sigu festival. For another, it is the planet Venus mm. that though in a different position, appears as Sigotolo. All agree, however, that they learned about the star from Griol. From Griol? So the person going there to seek out information is the one that kind of spoiled it for them? Well, they might have been like, oh, like it, they, it seems like they were pointing to both Venus and this star and use, mm. referring to them both by the same name. And he must have pointed out that, well, Sirius has another star and they might have integrated that into their theology because they have that strong belief in duality and dualism and that kind of thing. Wild. Absolutely wild. So that's one anthropological theory. Okay. Uh, But also other people have pointed out that there are a lot of channels that the Dogon could have gotten this knowledge from because Griol and another person who I kind of didn't mention, but who went along these expeditions with him, there's other ways they could have gotten Western knowledge besides these two. They weren't as isolated as people like to think they are. Mm -hmm. So in a book by Noah Brosh by the name of Serious Matters, he says- These names- Come on, Ken. They're so good. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, it's it's a name that invites so many good titles. <laughs> it sure is. But uh, what he suspects is that the Dogon found out about Sirius in 1893 when a French expedition went into their territory specifically to look at a solar eclipse. Mm, okay. And they might have, so there's a high chance that the Dogon people met with a group of French astronomers. <laughs> Ah. in 1893 who might know something about Sirius. They went there and they were just like, hey, do you mind if we kind of camp out, watch the solar eclipse? And they were like, yeah, sure. By the way, do you know anything about Sirius B? Uh, Let me tell you all about that real quick. So it makes me think that a bunch of astronomers who are willing to go on a five-week expedition to the middle of West Africa Mm -hmm. might know a little bit about stars and might be excited to talk about them. Probably. They're they're big old nerds. They're big giant nerds. They'll listen to, they'll talk to anyone who will listen to them. The other thing too is that the Dogon likely also just knew about this because they were interested in this information and they just got it through like, you know, the grapevine of talking to other people who had education. This is obviously a society that was very interested in the stars. So it's mm-hmm. not unlikely that they talked about it with other neighbors and uh, you know other people. Like they weren't a uh, isolated island; they were you know in contact with other people fairly regularly. And so yeah. they could have just learned it through the general way that all societies learn about things from other people. Yeah, and that, and that kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, where I think Ancient Aliens, the show, definitely wants to hype up this idea that they were fully isolated that the Dogon people were fully isolated from anybody and I think as as you're talking about here and as we've been discussing like they weren't a hundred percent isolated you know they they absolutely had uh contacts with with uh with outside people as as we've seen and I think that when you when you have that when you just have contact with anybody outside of of your civilization you know, you're, you're going to swap info with each other. Especially if you come from a culture that has a lot of interest in yeah. stars if, and such. If you're seeking it out, if you're, if that's the thing that, that interests you and, and then a whole bunch of big French nerds come along being like, we know about the stars. You're like, yes, please. Or anyone else. If you're just out there seeking it, asking, asking those questions. Absolutely. And also because their religious practices are passed down through an oral tradition, by the time, you know, you go from 1893, you get to 1956. And, uh, you know, this person who was telling this story to this anthropologist might have had a grandfather who was, you know, or might have had like a, might've been a child Mm -hmm. when, uh, these astronomers came by. And so it kind of just gets like, this is the thing about oral traditions that when new information gets added, it sort of just gets integrated into their overall belief structure because they believe that this is knowledge it's like it's truth just like you know any other scientific fact they don't they don't they don't disentangle them in any way so if they learn that Sirius B has a companion star from some astronomers then they're like oh well yeah that makes sense our star has a companion we're gonna name it we're gonna have our whole like they have Mm -hmm. their own whole stellar systems they had to go through it absolutely yeah that makes a ton of sense to me so it might not be ancient they just sort of amalgamated this information into their understanding about the cosmos Mm -hmm. Another thing that really puts some doubts into this idea that they had some sort of like extraterrestrial knowledge is that they knew about Sirius B, but they didn't know things like how many moons Jupiter has 
and they did not know about any planets that were past uh, Jupiter. They, they knew about this one very specific star and companion star. Exactly. Which means that's where the aliens came from who told them about this. Mm-hmm. They were just they were just talking about their home turf. They didn't care what was happening at Jupiter. Exactly. Now, there is another thing that we can add to this, which was that according to the Dogon, there is a falsifiable belief that they had about Sirius that if it proved to be true, would actually say something interesting, which is that in the 1950s, uh, there was a theory that there was another star in the Sirius system, that there was a red dwarf that was mm. also part of this that we couldn't see. I've heard of these. Yeah. And so if there is a Sirius C and they discover this other dwarf star, uh-huh. then the Dogon must have been onto something. This comes from the fact that, you know, there is a theorized extra star. So it's like they knew about what was going on in astronomy before the astronomers were onto it. Interesting. Okay. The Dogon believed in a star system called Emeya, or a star that's larger than Sirius B, but lighter and dim in magnitude. Hmm. And we have been studying Sirius for a long time. It's one of our closer stars. And it is... Uh, a gravitational study showed that there was a possible brown dwarf star orbiting around Sirius, i.e. a Sirius C that has a six-year orbital pattern. I didn't now, even know stars came in the color brown. A brown dwarf star is interesting because it's basically, um, I think sometimes what they're called are, well, not hot Jupiters, but they're somewhere halfway, like Jupiter is sort of a failed star, just two same stuff as a star, but just not big enough to, to cause nuclear fusion. Oh, I didn't know that. That's so sad. Yeah, a lot of the pl- first planets we found with like exoplanet research or what were called hot Jupiters, which were planets that were a little bit bigger than Jupiter and big enough that they could actually like, uh, you know, do a little bit of nuclear fusion. So they're almost like proto stars. Mm. A brown dwarf is sort of in that vein. Just dressing for the job that they want, not the job that they have. One day I'll be a star. Yeah, so they are big and they're made of hydrogen, but they're not big mm-hmm. enough to do the nuclear fusion that you need to uh, really like glow. Gotcha. They're approximately 10 to 20 times the size of Jupiter. They're sort of like halfway between a planet and a star. However, a more recent study using infrared imaging has concluded that the chances of there being a triple star system in Sirius is now now um low yeah <laughs> how how low it can't be ruled out but the chances are pretty low that there is a third star around Sirius okay so let me let me understand if I if I get what this whole whole section is uh you were saying that the Dogon people do believe that there's a third star in this in, in Sir- a serious sea? According to people writing about them. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. So there are reports that the Dogon believe that there was another star next to Sirius that was larger than Sirius B. Yes. But uh, dim. And, and so they interpreted that to be a red dwarf. Yes. Then then astronomers did a study where they then for a little bit were like, hey, they might be onto something because there's a potential that there's a brown dwarf in the Sirius system. But that turned out not to be, or or at least for now, the chances of that are quite low. Yeah, it can't be ruled out mm-hmm. because we haven't done all of the work on this region, but it's lower. It's pretty low now. Okay. And then, so all of that would seem to imply that if the Dogon people did get this information from aliens who are teaching them about the universe, that the fact that they would, at least for now, seem to have gotten that part wrong means 
we could throw into question this whole theory. Yeah, if basically the bigger thesis is that while the Dogon, you know, had a strong interest and they knew this one fact about Sirius B, they had very large gaps in their uh, mm-hmm. astronomical knowledge based on the fact that they don't have telescopes. And furthermore, that they had made claims about Sirius that are turning out to not look like they're true. Yeah. All right. That's a bummer. So yeah, the the answer is probably it's probably not aliens mm. or at least the aliens came not from space, but from France. <laughs> You know what I love about that, though, is on our on the show notes that you share with me before the show. This is under the section called the part where Tristan makes you sad. And I love that the part, you know, sometimes on this show we talk about things that are more like uh, dark stuff, sad stuff. Yeah. Sometimes we talk about more dark stuff. Sometimes we talk about stuff being destroyed. Sometimes we talk about. Uh, really horrible ways that people and societies have been treated. Uh, the sad part here is basically that French people might exist, I think. Yeah. As a French person, I can I can conclude with this. Actually, there is a uh, dark side of the story, but oh, I'll get no. to that in just a second. Um, but it does say that, like, you know, this is probably why if you're going to make claims about a culture that you talk to people from that culture instead of reading exclusively what Europeans were writing about them. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is sort of a modern thing that is a little bit uh, I want to just draw some attention to because it is uh, part of what's going on in the world that we probably should pay attention to. And that is if you've been following the news, you might have heard that there's some political instability in Mali, specifically in northern Mali, and uh, that the Dogon people have been sort of wrapped into violence. They've been experiencing violence uh, because of rising Islamic militants in the region. Mm. And this is driving ethnic conflict, border disputes. And because there's very little government uh, presence in this region, it's it's just uh, the Dogon are in a sort of uh, chaotic and violent situation right now. And I feel like um, I wouldn't want to tell this story about the Dogon people without mentioning that, you know, this is a bit of a uh, they're in a bit of a dicey situation right now because of this conflict that's happening in Mali. So uh, I wanted to at least, you know, give uh, some respect to the people who we're talking about and their kind of current context. And if we can, uh, I'll try to look this up, but if we can, I'd like to see if I can find a charity or something that you can give to to hopefully help people in Mali. Uh, Cause yeah, it's um, the, there's been like a bunch of countries involved. Um, yeah. And it's, 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 it's uh, yeah, not good. Absolutely. Well, this section definitely lived up to the name as it uh, typically does. I absolutely will put charity links in the description of this podcast. If we can find some, And hopefully this is me being incredibly optimistic about a situation that I am just learning about because I am not very, I've not paid too much attention, uh, sadly. But because we're so behind on video, on, but because we're so behind now you on did po- it this time. I did it this time. <laughs> because we're so behind on podcasts, is there a chance that by the time this episode comes out, everything will be fine. This is a conflict that's been going on now for uh, coming up on a decade. If I remember okay. like when it first broke out, Obama was president. So it's uh, 
I think that there's still quite a lot of like, I think that it's like the region is just sort of spilling over. You might have heard like, you know, it, this is a country that is fairly close to like Nigeria. And there's like all that stuff with like Boko Haram and like, like yeah. it's, it's there's a lot of uh, political instability happening in sort of the interior of West Africa that I think that this is kind of part of. Well, now I feel even worse that I'm just now learning about this, but I'm glad that uh, that we could have an episode dedicated to the, the Dogon people and uh, hopefully Hopefully we can find, you know, a charity to help out uh, this whole situation. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's a very Tristan way to end this show. But um, yeah, um, this is a real podcast that exists now. Yay. How about, do you want to go on a little lighter note by reading some podcast reviews real quick? Yeah, let's get a bit of a chaser. I went a little bit dark at the end there. No, that's okay. It lived up to the name. I was like making fun of you. Like, oh, the, the darkest part of this episode is that French people exist. And then suddenly got, let me drink some coffee and read the next sentence. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what? All right. Let me, let me look at some of these. These are great. Uh, we are reading, we are pulling reviews from Apple Podcasts. I believe that's the only place you can leave a review. Everywhere else, you just sort of stream it and whatever. But thank you to all these uh, lovely reviews. Beautiful nerds. Lu- Luke Earth Earth Crayer. Sure. Luke Earth Crayer says, I like it for two reasons. Number one, Scott is Scott. Number two, this is a really good idea for a podcast. Ha, take that, Tristan. I'm already the most beloved host. <laughs> Fair. And I do nothing. I do nothing. I sit here. You bring the charm. I hope so. Someone did give us four stars. I Bassett gave us four stars and said could have been five, but Scott wanted four. I regret that immediately. Yeah. Walt Epithet uh, says, I loved how much knowledge and research they bring to their topics. Can't wait for the next episode. That one's mostly about you. Oh, thank you. I do drive myself insane for uh, a few days to get these things together. And then this will probably be the last one I read for now. We'll read more in future episodes. Ray of Sunshine 52 says, thank you, Scott and Tristan. This is the best idea for a podcast. Thank you for breaking down these awful theories about these amazing civilizations. I'm, I'm also excited about uh because of how educational this is great job and keep going i think that's a fantastic one to end it on thank you yeah, so much i'm i'm really happy i wanted to make sure that this show wasn't just uh debunking but like that we learned more about the world from the people that they're trying to write off as aliens so i'm glad that people are liking that or vibing with that absolutely i'm i'm learning a lot i'm coming into i mean i'm definitely going to start watching these episodes more more rigorously because i have a, a whole notepad full of things i just wrote the word sky stones because um, that's a thing they mentioned so I've just got a lot more questions that I'm going to throw at Tristan oh yeah we're going to have to come back to like we're they 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 cycle back to topics we'll have to cycle back to topics absolutely so don't worry. we have we'll to be back we absolutely have to uh, and if you have any other if you don't want to review us on Apple Podcasts then you can also just tweet at us at probs not aliens tell us all of your thoughts about this show any sort of constructive criticism or just things that you're liking stuff that you're liking we're like almost 20 episodes in and we're just now being able to hear your feedback so uh, thank you for bearing with us and hopefully we can uh, adjust the show or just keep doing all the cool stuff that we've been doing yeah check out it's probably 
Props on Aliens on Twitter. If you want to watch more content that we are putting out, yes. uh, Scott runs a wonderful channel called NerdSync. I sure do. N-E-R-D-S-Y-N-C. It's about uh, video essays about comics and Scooby-Doo mostly these days and other nerdy things that I'm interested in. And Tristan has a, also a fantastic YouTube channel called Step Back History. Yeah, about how the past is important and intersects with the issues of our day. And hopefully at this point, we have done a collab together about ancient aliens and potentially Marvel's The Eternals. We'll see how that goes. I'm excited to see that. And uh, by the time you're listening to it, it should be out. So go seek that out. That's a fun one where you can see us on camera together. Yeah. And uh, yeah, leave reviews uh, and tell your friends because podcasts really only grow through word of mouth. And so they really do put put some words out of your mouth. Yeah, we don't have any. This is not a money making machine we don't have sponsors on this we we don't have a patreon for this uh this is just us wanting to do it and the the more people who listen the more we're motivated to keep going and so you know keep telling people keep telling your friends keep listening we really do appreciate it yeah until next time the truth is out there probably probably